This message is brought to you by Croydon Tabernacle, a part of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Our mission is reconciling the individual, community and the nation to God. Be blessed as you listen. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good to be in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I welcome everybody again in the to the presence of the Lord with the love of Christ. The Christ who has given his life for us. The one who is always ever present. The one that is always there. The one that never fails. Every other thing will fail. You know, uh, friends of this heart will fail you. But we have a friend in Jesus that will never, never fail. That is always stand by us, no matter what. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstances. No matter what you may be going through. No matter what you cannot even discuss with your GP or discuss with your, your husband or wife, you have a friend in Jesus that will never, never fail. And that is the God that we serve. A God that, is, that cares about us. The one that cares about every single details about you. That cares about every single details of what you are going through. You know, of that deepest thing you are going through even about your child. You know, about that child. You know, he knows everything and he cares so much. He cares so much, and that is the God that we serve. And uh, I want to thank God for that hymn. And uh, this afternoon, we're going to be talking about uh, a true friend. And we all know that a true friend is only, can be found only in Jesus. We can only find true friend only in Jesus. I'm sure if I should give everybody five, five minute microphone time this afternoon to, call, to talk about the people they call their best friend. I know everybody will have something to say. You know, about one wonderful things that the best friend has done or the, the other side of what the best friend has done. But the good thing about Jesus is that Jesus' friendship is a true one. You know, it, never, it will never, never fail you. No matter how, how deep even you are in sin. He will still be looking for a way to, to bring you back, to make you his friend. So you serve that God. You, you, you have that God as a friend. You know, I, I, I would just, just share a testimony of one of my best friends. He was my best friend years ago. Years ago in Manchester, you know, when, when I first came. You know, when I, I, I was not a Christian. I, I, have not, I had not given my life to Christ. So I had this best friend there in that. We, we together, we do things together. We've, we've done a lot of stuff together. A lot of serious, really, really stuff together. And um, I gave my life to Christ. He too, he gave his life to Christ. You know, we were in the same parish um, in Manchester years ago. We were in the same parish. And uh, something happened between us at the time. It happened something that I was really the one at fault. So it happened then. And then um, the first thing this my so-called best friend did was to go to my pastor. And he told my pastor everything we used to do. <laughs> you know, when I say every, I'm telling you, this is a real story, you know. I've not I've been hearing that people do that. You know, I've never seen the real practical. So the day pastor now called me, he said, ah, Dicking, I was Dicking there. <laughs> Pastor said, Dicking Ojo, ah, I want to see you. He, Pastor actually came to my house. 
So he came to my house. My wife was there. He sat down. He said he knew about what had happened between my, myself and my best friend. And uh, he was already, uh, he, he already he knew about it, so he was settling it. He now said, ah, I heard a lot of things. Oh. I said, Pastor, what have you heard? You know, you are confident. You know, as a child of God, ah, no. what, what, can, what can anybody say behind me? Her pastor was now narrating every single thing, details of what we did. <laughs> you know, I was just laughing. And, you know, pastor too was just laughing because he knew that it was then. You know, what was in the past is, is in the past. The Bible says that all things has passed away. It says, behold, all things has become new. And that was the person I thought was my... My wife only knew him as my only best friend when we got together. So, for that thing to... I was now thinking, best friend. <laughs> I was now... I now, you know, I, I realized one of the things that the general verse has always been saying about, about friends. You know, he would say, yes, he has... Um, before he said he has maybe had 10, 10 good friends. Say, I think he's reduced that some of them has gone to be with the Lord. And maybe to six or seven. He says, but the only best friend he has is his wife. He said, he's the only best friend because, believe me, best friend, don't get me wrong, best friend is good. But <laughs> when the chips are down, it is the best friend that knows everything about you that will turn the table around. So the only true friend, the only true friend that we can have is in Jesus no more, no less. Yes, spouses, our spouses can be two true friends in Jesus' name. Amen. But believe me, the only true friends that we have, that all of us as individuals can hold on to, is the Lord Jesus. Because he's the one that will never disappoint. He will not go behind, my, behind me and be telling my pastor what had happened in the past. What had happened in the past? What he told me himself that all things has passed away. He won't go and do that. He's the one that will stand by you no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter what we may be going through. And the amazing thing now is that these days, you know, it's so good, easy, so very, very simple to make friends. To make friends, easy friends on Facebook. You know, the day I hit over 100 friends on the Facebook, I said, ah, me, a oh, me, 100. So, when I now saw people with thousands, friends, I said, hey. So, all we just need to do is just click, bam, we become friends. Even people you don't know anything about. If you don't know anything about, we begin to share our life story with them. And these people, when anything just happened, bara. They hear something about you posted on the three quarter of them will be the first one to to defriend you or what, what do they call it? Is it defriend or unfriend you? Why? Because they are just friends. They are not. They are not real true friends. But in that situation, Jesus will still be there. Even though you may be the one at fault. He will still be there by your side. 
telling you that even though the righteous will fall seven times, they will rise up again. You know, Jesus will still be telling you that, you know, my son, my daughter, it doesn't matter. All will be well. That is the, that is the friend that we serve. That is the true friend that we have. So for anyone that is listening to me right now, I, I know all of us, we have our challenges. We have something that we are trusting God for. Some of us who might have been praying for this thing years ago and nothing is happening. It doesn't mean that Jesus is not there. You know, when we are praying, you know, we, are, we are being told that you know, he has us written down by the, in the palm of our hand. You have everything. You know, he, he knows everything about you. You know, this work that you are working that you think you are alone, you are not alone. Because you are a child of God, he's working this work with you. Why? Because he's a true friend. A true friend will never desert you in the time of, of trouble. It is in the time of trouble that you know who your real friends are. But Jesus is own. No matter how terrible the trouble is, he will still be there with you. Because he, he already knows the end. He knows you're just passing through this phase, through these difficulties at this time. He knows already that all will be well. And that is the true friend that we serve. That is the true friend that you have, that I have. So every other friend, maybe we should not call them best friend or true friend. Maybe let's just call them my friend. My friend. Because that is the truth of the matter. It is the truth. A lot of time, friends have disappointed us. A lot of time, you know, the friends that are supposed to be, you know, truthful, you know, when they say things to you, they don't mean what they say. Deep down in them, they, they meant something else. Even sometimes, Christians, Christians, they will say, yes, I want you to go to hay. But really, really, they don't want you to be in hay. They want you to be in bill, but they will say, no, please go to hay. And if you now go to that hill, all hell will now break loose. You know, they will now be choosing all sorts. You know, a friend, a true friend will never disappoint. If he says, let's meet at 11 o'clock, that true friend will meet you at 11 o'clock. But we all know the type of friends that we, even some of us, absent-mindedly, unknowingly sometimes, you say, ah, let's meet at 11 o'clock. At five minutes to eleven, if you are, you are in the place where you're supposed to, you call your friend. My friend, I, I'm there. Where are you? Maybe he's just waking up on the bed, and you say, Ah, I'm five minutes away. And to get to that place is about thirty minutes. So he will say, Oh, traffic. Ah, you know, that's the. Those are the friends that are available these days, even among children of God. But the only true friend. That we say 11 o'clock is 11 o'clock. That when you get there, you will find him there. Is Jesus. And I want us to appreciate that Jesus. Let's put our hands together. Let's appreciate that true friend. A friend that never failed. A friend that is the best. The greatest gift that we can ever have. Is that our friend Jesus. And that's why Jesus was talking in, in John chapter 15. John chapter, chapter 15, verses 13 to 15. John chapter 15, from verse 13 to 15. 
know, Jesus was talking there. He says, greater love has no one. John 15, 13 to 15. Yes. He says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love. Is, you can never find a better love. For somebody to lay down his own life. You know, when I was thinking about it during this week, when God was calling, who shall I send? He threw the question open to all the angels, to all of them. Angel Michael was there, Angel Gabriel was there, all of them were there. He threw it open. But Jesus said, Here I am, send me. He knew what was to come. He knew what was going to happen. And he came. And he laid down his own life for you and me. So the Bible is, is now telling us again that, that we can't find any greater love anywhere than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus now said in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I am Jesus' friend if I do everything that he commands me to do. Likewise you. Verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his maker, master is doing. Servant, most servants, they don't know what their master are doing. He says, But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Everything that Jesus is telling us, telling it, everything he was telling his disciples at the time. They were things that he received directly from God. And he's giving them back to us. So what he desires from us, for us to continue to be his friend, is to do whatever he commands us to do. Is to do whatever he commands us to do. We all know Abraham very well. You know, the Bible said in some passages that Abraham is a friend of God. You know, we want to look at why. Why did God say he's my friend? Why did God call him my friend? I would like to do what he did. You know, for, for God to continue to call me to his friend. All the days. Not, not just faking it. Not saying it because I'm standing here. But what he did, that every time God is saying that he's Abraham, my friend. In Isaiah 41, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, he says, But you, Isaiah 41, 8, he says, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendant of Abraham, my friend. The descendant of Abraham, my friend. God called him his friend, boldly. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. He says, Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, 
and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. Forever. I would like to be God's friend forever. I would like to be his friend forever. His friendship will not be determined by what I'm going through, what the situation I am in. That no matter what, I will stick to him. That is my desire, and I believe that is your desire as well. So what is so unique about Abraham? That God just chose him. God just keeps saying that he's my friend. You know, when we get home, let's go and read fully Romans chapter 4. Paul explained better. But we're going to paraphrase that. He explained better why. You know, why Abraham? God refers to Abraham as his friend at all times. In Romans 4, 2 to 4. You know, I will say things that the things that it wasn't what Abraham did that makes Abraham to be friend of God. Number one, not by good works alone. No, you cannot be a friend of God by just doing good works alone. Please mark that word, alone. Good works alone is not enough. There are more deeper things that we need to continue to do. Like we will see in the life of Abraham, eh, the way Paul explained it to the Romans. In that verse 2 to 4, it says, For if Abraham was justified by works, it says he has something to boast about, but not before God. You see, if he's justified by works, he can stand there and say, Yes, I've done this before. I've performed miracles. I raised up 20 dead people. He can say it anytime, anywhere he will be. He will say it's something to boast about. He says, but not before God. He says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but as debt. When we go to work and we do things like this week is going to be a payday, we've done the work. So we are going to be paid for the work we have done. You know, Paul is saying this, it is not counted as grace. He says, but as debt. No, your employer is owing you because you have done the work. You see, becoming a friend of God does not happen by just only being a good person alone or doing good works, raising the dead, preaching wonderful sermon, or giving to the poor, or making sure you pay your tithe and offering every time, or you already set up a direct debit that even before you touch it, yeah, the money has to be the one, the tithe will have to be the one that will go out first. It is not only by the work that we do. There is more things. It says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Please, I want you to continue to follow me. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Please, just be trying to try to continue to highlight some things that are unique 
about all these passages. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not because any time they call church service, I'm the first person that will be there. They said 50 days fasting, I'm doing 50 days fasting. Please don't get me wrong. All those things are important. But they are not enough to continue to be a friend of God. So Paul is making it clear to us here. He says, you have been saved through faith. Not by yourself. Let's continue to follow me. The second thing we will look at is not by being religious or performing religious activities, which I have said just now. In Romans, that same Romans chapter 4, 9 to 10. That same Romans chapter 4, 9 to 10. It says, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? Or upon the uncircumcised also? No one is talking about the blessedness. That is the blessedness about being righteous and then becoming friends of God. He says, for we say that faith was accounted for Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He says, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. That is, this righteousness and the friendship of Abraham with God, it has been even before. Abraham obeyed what God said that you should circumcise all the male in his house. It has been there. That's what Paul is saying there. He says, but while uncircumcised. So it is not only when we come to church and fulfill all religious activities, such as paying tithe, offering, speaking in tongues, baptism of, of the Holy Ghost, or normal baptism and so on that we now become friends of God there is still something unique deeper that we need to take on board deeper number three we're, we're getting there quickly very soon in chapter 4 13 to 15 Romans chapter 4 13 to 15 it says not by fulfilling the laws as the third point not by fulfilling the laws he says, for the promise that he will be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are his, faith is made void and promise made of no effect. He says, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. You know, when Abraham, God gave Abraham these promises, the law that Moses received was not there at the time. There was no Ten Commandments that he had to follow. There was no other laws, you know, in Leviticus. 
But still, God is saying that he is my friend. Now, how did he become a friend of God? You know, we've read, we've been talking about it all along. But I'm just going to make a statement in that verse 3 that we read earlier. Verse 3. It says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God. Abraham had faith in God. He had faith in God. Remember, the Bible described faith as the substance of things hoped for. And it says, evidence of things not seen. In Genesis chapter 17, God made a lot of promises to Abraham. Genesis chapter 17. Let's add that to what we go home and read. God spoke to him. He made promises to him that he will give him a son. In verse 17 to 19 of that Genesis, verses 17 to 19, we quickly read that. He says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. This was after God had spoken to him what his plan for him. Wow, you know. He now fell on his face and he laughed. And the Bible says that and said in his heart, he didn't say it out. He said in his heart, he says, Shall he shine be born to a woman who is hundred years old, to a man who is hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? He was saying that in his heart. He was, you know, despite the fact that God said he's my friend, he, a, he was a righteous man. You know, he was still asking some questions in his heart, like some of us who will do most of the time. When we are faced with challenges, circumstances that are, that are unbelievable, we begin, we begin to think in our heart, God, but you said this is going to happen. <laughs> this circumstances doesn't equate to what you say will happen. What is going on? He was doing the same thing. He was thinking in his heart. Thinking in his heart. How can a 90-year-old woman carry a child? Me, I'm 100 already. How can, how can that happen? But God answered. God answered him. He now said to God, he actually said to God, he was not trying to justify things. Maybe what God, what God was saying is that, oh, because I already have a son, who is Ishmael? Yeah. Say, this Ishmael shall be, isn't it? He was asking God. He said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. He says, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. God now made it clear to him. Yes, I know what is going on in your heart. But what I say I will do, I will do it. The promise that God says he will do in your life he is the only one who is capable of doing it. Nobody else is capable of doing it. That is why he gave you that promise. So what the enemy will want to be doing is to give us a scenario. 
put us in a situation where we think ah, maybe it was not God that spoke. But it is good to know as children of God that it is God that has spoken. It doesn't matter where, if you are trusting God for the fruit of the womb. What the Bible says is that none shall be barren in the land. And it is for you to hold on to that word as a child of God. As a, because these things is this only God who can do it, not human being. Yes, science is trying a lot about IVF and it's working for a lot of people. But it is God who has given them the wisdom to do it. And even without IVF, where IVF has failed, God has come through for people. And the same thing Abraham was thinking here. And God was reiterating what he has said. But look, it is this Sarah, not the bond woman. Not the bond woman. She will give back to his son. And the son will be called Isaac. Isaac. My prayer today for every one of us here, that God will make us laugh. In the mighty name of Jesus. God will make us laugh. In the mighty name of Jesus. So God fulfilled his promise in the life of Abraham. Why? Because he had faith. 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 Our Christianity would we amount to nothing without faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If faith is not there, we can God will never be pleased. So God has to see our faith. And yes, the Bible also says that faith without works is dead. That is why in the beginning we are saying works alone. What you do alone, it is not enough. It is not enough. You need to have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to believe it. And you need to say it. You need to be proud to say it anywhere on the bus, on the train. That Jesus is the Son of God. That is faith. That Jesus, he, he died and he rose again. That Jesus is alive. That is faith. In James chapter 2 verse 23. James chapter 2 verse 23. He said the scripture was fulfilled. Which says... Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him because he believed God. Because he had faith. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And he said, and he was called the friend of God. He believed God in any situation no matter how bad no matter how hopeless. No matter how it seems it's never going to happen. If you are trusting God for your, for your partners, it doesn't matter what is happening now. It doesn't matter what your age is. God has said it is not good for a man to be alone. He has said in his word. The Bible says that his words they are ye and amen. And the Bible says that he watch over his word. To perform it. He, he guides it. He watch over it to, to bring it to pass. 
So God is preparing you for that great place that he's taking you to. Your own is just to stand there in faith and just continue to enjoy God. Continue to enjoy him. It doesn't matter what the situation is saying or what the circumstances is saying. One thing I know that Jesus is the only true friend that will never, never leave you or forsake you. Know the hymn we sang earlier. No verse, I will read verse 2 and verse 3. You know, they are powerful messages. They are hymns that all these hymns are very powerful because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The hymns were written by some of these wonderful people of God that had gone through serious, unbelievable situations. And when they wrote those songs down, they meant every word. They meant every word. That's why the Bible admonishes us to continue to pray and sing hymns because they are powerful. They are prayers on their own. They are admonitions on their own. You know, in, um, in that verse 2, it says, E, all my griefs, in that verse 2 of the hymn, if you can put it up, verse 2 of the hymn that we sang, I find a friend in Jesus. It says, E, all my griefs has taken, and all my sorrows born. It says, In temptation is my strong and mighty. In temptation, we, we all go through temptation every day. We all go through various forms of temptation. You see temptation on the internet. Do we want to talk about that in, in the Rema Zone today? That was what we, you know, it was part of our discussion. Even in the, um, the open heaven for today, that was what the general overseer said. Internet. You know, the lot of temptation, you know, the moment you open onto the internet like this, the first thing that will pop up is some serious images, some, some, some devilish images, some images that you see that you think, what? And the general overseer was, you know, he was encouraging us too. That we too, we should engage more in this media, in this social media. Because the enemy is using it to entrap us, to entrap our children. That we should, we should go out there and be putting godly messages, godly things on the net, on the Facebook. You know, I was not even thinking that maybe we should even have, you know, somebody now even said it during the workers meeting that maybe we should have a training where find a way where what we do so that anytime we go into Internet as we what we, the first thing that will pop up to is, is Christian messages. How did did all the other two that will be the one that will pop up, pop up? I don't know, but I know that some of us know, so we can explore this instead of if they post five messages. General Vasse said we should post ten, double it, so that we we'll continue to counter this plan of the enemy. You know, he says in in temptation, he said it's my strong and mighty tower. Temptation we go through every day. Temptation not to lie. You know, temptation not to, to not to be not to be unfaithful at work. When you say, "Oh, I get I get to work at nine o'clock," some of us we put eight o'clock. No, these are temptation. These are little little things that the enemy is using. You know, the temptation of the images. Temptation of in the Ramazan was talking about maybe your temptation is what you see. What you see, you see a, a figure eight, you see, ah, your head goes to somewhere else. Maybe that is your own temptation. You know, but you know the Bible. The Bible is saying, you know, Job said, he said, he said in I can't remember the verse. He says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that will now I will not look lustfully unto a maiden. He had to make covenant with his eyes. 
Some of us, it might be what we have to do. But Jesus is saying here that in temptation, he said it's our strong and mighty tower. He says, I've all for him forsaken and all my idols, everything that is idols before God, turn. He says, from my heart, and now it keeps me by his power. He says, though all the world forsake me. And Satan continued to tempt me store. He says, through Jesus, I shall safely reach the goal. That through Jesus, I will safely get to heaven. No other way. No other friends can take us to heaven but Jesus. Verse 3, quickly I'll read it because of my time. He says, He never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will. Why I live by faith? That is the that is the way Abraham lived. By faith. God told him to go and kill that only begotten son eventually. By faith, he took the child. He was about to kill the child. When God said, Stop. By faith. By faith. All along. He says, While I live by faith and do his blessed will, he said, A wall of fire. When you continue to live with God by faith, God will build a wall of fire about you. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. The Bible says that fear is of the devil. Nothing to fear. He says, With his manner, he my hungry soul shall fail. Then sweeping up in glory to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. Rivers of delight. So faith is crucial to every other things we do. We give to the poor, that is wonderful. We give our tithe and offering, that is wonderful. But all of them every day has to be back up with faith. Then God will be looking at us every day and be saying, that is my friend. That is my friend. Because, like Jesus said, you are my friend. If you do whatever I command you, and God wants us to continue to walk in faith. My prayer is that God himself will continue to build our faith every day. So that every day of our life we will know that we have a friend beside us. We have Jesus as our friend. He is always there. I was listening to uh, was it one interview given to um, one of these Nigerian actors. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Richard Buffet Damijo. And they, was, they were interviewing him and they, they asked him, you know, he, he is a Christian. And they asked him about um, uh, what, about, I, I can't remember the exact question, maybe about prayer. He was not talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, uh, subconsciously so in his mind, he knows where the Holy Spirit is, wherever he is. The Holy Spirit is always on his left side. Sitting, so if he's sitting, Holy Spirit is sitting on the left chair behind him. No, God is always with us. We need to know that. And we have him as a true friend. Every other friend, believe me, they will fail. But Jesus will never fail. Please, let's rise up and pray. Let's rise up and pray. Let's pray to God this afternoon. And let's, let's recommit ourselves to him. That from now henceforth, from now henceforth, Jesus that Jesus will be your number one. He will be your only genuine best friend. 
Thank you for listening. We hope that you were ministered to through this message. If you have any comments on this presentation or would like to contact us, our address is 38 to 40 Parsons Meet, West Croydon, CR03SL. To speak to a member of our team, you can call us on 0208 Our website address is www.croydontabernacle.org.uk. Thank you and God bless.